Assume the juxtaposition. Assume the juxtaposition. Assume the juxtaposition. Assume the juxtaposition. Welcome to another episode of Assume the Juxtaposition, the podcast where you're the host and I'm the guest. We have a very, very special host for this episode, none other than the lovely and talented Melanie Miller, the better half of my co-host on Pausable Deniability, David Miller, but this is all about her. We don't, we're not talking about him right now. So Melanie, I think you have a very fun and uh, interesting topic for us to talk about. So why don't you tell folks what you have in mind? Sure, I do. And hi, everyone. So I want to preface the premise with, first of all, if you haven't watched Ted Lasso yet, please pause this podcast right now at this time and go do so. Upon your return, or if you already have, then you know the greatness of Roy Kent. Um, I absolutely love him. He is my new leader in life. He is also known as Brett Goldstein. Um, That's what he goes by in his real human life. And Brett has a podcast called Films to be Buried With. And I really, really love it. And I want to imitate that. I think I said mimic the other day, and that sort of lends itself to sarcasm. And I don't mean it that way. I want to do justice to his really brilliant work. Um, It's a great podcast. If you've not listened to it, please go do so. Um, So let's kick it off. I am going to be, I'm going to play Brett Goldstein in essence, which makes my heart happy. So he always starts with, hello, It is me, Um, but Melanie Miller, not Brett Goldstein. And today we are here with our guest, who is a family man, a music lover, a car wreck magnet, (laughs) a stand-up comedian, a podcast mogul, and a local celebrity. Please welcome great Bob Bland. And I feel like you insert applause right there. (laughs) How are you today? I'm good. That. That was a lovely but ridiculous introduction. It was perfect. (laughs) I am neither a celebrity nor a comedian, but I'll take that all the same. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We were definitely a car wreck magnet. I felt like that was appropriate. I cannot deny Um, that. Yeah. And you're definitely a comedian and you're absolutely a local celebrity. Um, (laughs) So it is a pleasure to be here with you today. Oh, but I forgot to tell you something. Okay. I'm so sorry. I probably should have started with this. Unfortunately, you're also dead. Oh, no. I know. I know. I'm I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But I want to just get it out there that you have passed away. So can you tell me a little bit about how you died? Well, pulling the curtain back a little bit and letting folks know we're on a Sunday morning here talking, <laughs> it clearly was my weekly weekend morning ritual of the apple fritter that I must have choked on and uh, expired, but tasted so good. It's it's really not a bad way to go. So yeah, I should have, I probably should have taken a smaller bite of that apple fritter. Unfortunately, I did not. And uh, here we are, I guess, apparently in either heaven or uh, the other place, lower heaven or the waiting room in between. Uh, so death by donut, death by donut. <laughs> in fact, I think we just found the title of this episode death by donut. Well, the good news is that there is a heaven. There's probably a lower heaven too, but that's not where you've gone. You have gone to actual heaven 
See, and now this I know act- this is not, not a reality <laughs> show. No, it is. And heaven is everything that you want it to be. There are lovely people all around you. Um, and they want to know a little bit about you. They want to know about your life. They want to know who Bob Bland is through the lens of film. So we're going to talk about films today. And let's start with their first question these new friends you have in heaven. What's the first film you remember going to see? So the first R-rated movie I remember seeing, and I thought this may have been the first film, was my parents went to see Blazing Saddles at the drive-in theater. And it was a, it was a nighttime showing and either they couldn't find or didn't want to spring for a babysitter. So they figure I'm going to fall asleep in the back seat. But that actually was not the first movie I remember seeing at the theater because the year before, that was in 1974. The year before, in 1973, I remember my grandmother taking me to see a movie called Jonathan Livingston Seagull. And I remember very little about the actual movie. It was apparently really boring. I could even today not find much interest in wanting to see that. But my biggest memory of that was my grandmother packed lunch in her purse for us to eat at the movie cheese sandwiches very plain just white bread and american cheese and refused any request for any form of concessions my course at that age you know all you want when you go to the movie is the candy and the popcorn and the soda and stuff nope here's your generic cheese sandwich and your boring movie about a (laughs) talking bird enjoy enjoy so yes that's the first it may not have been the first movie i ever went to but it was definitely the first one i remember so i have never heard of this movie which (laughs) is not at all shocking i probably should have also started with i am not a big movie fan much to the dismay (laughs) of my husband movies are not my strong suit i love what i love i can quote most of the movie top gun oh yeah And additionally, I can quote most of the movie Billy Madison. However, (laughs) I don't generally sit in one place long enough to get through a film. I just can't bring myself to do it. However, I do remember vividly being young and the few times that we went to the theater having that same sort of scenario with um, the purse sandwiches. And (laughs) they were usually peanut butter, not cheese. But I did have a cheese sandwich in my life um, more than once with my grandparents. But anyway, so that part really resonates with me. (laughs) Now, do you remember what the first movie was that you saw? The first movie that I saw, first movie that I remember going to see in the theater. Gosh, I don't. I really don't. Was it like a Walt Disney movie or something? It must have been. It must have been. So I grew up in my younger, younger little, little Melanie was in Temple, Texas. So my grandparents lived in Temple. My mom had me at a younger age. And so she was going to college when I was little, little. And so we lived in Temple until I was about eight years old. And I can vividly picture the Temple Mall movie theater, but I cannot tell you what the first movie I saw there was, but I'm sure it was something childlike. It certainly wasn't a Blazing Saddles type movie. The two main things about Jonathan Livingston Seagull of note is that it was based on a novel. Apparently it was a big, that was the big thing was it was a big novel back then. But also I remember the theme song was uh, a Neil Diamond song. So he, he made a song just for that movie. So those are the, that's the only two things I really remember about that movie. So yeah. And sandwiches. 
<laughs> and the cheese sandwiches. Yes. Yeah. Did they have mayonnaise or did she at least spare you mayonnaise? Oh God. Well, I love mayonnaise for one thing. Mayonnaise well, sure, mayonnaise. but not warm mayonnaise. Right. Not warm mayonnaise. I honestly, I'm, if I had to guess, I'd say it was just the cheese and the, and the bread and it was probably stale bread too. <laughs> <laughs> It was always mayonnaise and cheese at my grandma's house or fried rice. Ooh, fried Not rice is good. Bad. But my grandmother's Japanese, so everything had a little bit of a little bit of an Asian twist. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. So the next thing that they want to know about you is what film scares you the most? The only one that I can think of, and I never really have sat down and watched the entire movie. I just was so scared of the trailers and even, and especially the theme song was The Exorcist. Excellent day for an exorcism. You'd like that? Intensely. That came out right around that same time, 1973, so I would have been like seven. And I just remember like the house we lived in at the time, my bedroom was at the end of the hall, but if my parents were still up watching TV in the living room, you could usually hear it, you know, down the hall. And just whenever that trailer would come on and that tubular bells theme song would always just scare me, just the music alone. And the movie itself always has been kind of scary to me just in concept. I've seen lots of scenes from it, but yeah, it's, that's gotta be it. There haven't been a lot of times I've gone to a movie or even a horror movie and been really scared, you know, right. I mean, Halloween, the Original Halloween was probably, you know, pretty scary. You get some good scares in that, but uh, I would say The Exorcist. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, and I have seen that whole movie, and it is really scary. I mean, it's just sort, especially. You're right at the time that it, especially for the time that it came out. I think in our sort of age range, it was it was kind of the one. Yeah, I also remember being a little freaked out by Seven, which is obviously a little more. What's in the box? <laughs> Um, and oh gosh, there was something else I was just thinking of too, that I, that I thought was nightmare on Elm street. The first nightmare on Elm street was, I remember. And again, I think I was, I don't know, I'd have to go look at it, but anyway, I'm, I'm just a couple years younger than you are, but it, it, when it came out, I remember it being one of those movies that like, I had a friend over spending the night and we were watching it and, uh, and had to turn it off (laughs) and then would go, okay, we can do this now. And we'd turn it back on and then we'd go, nope, 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 nope. That one really scared me as a kid too. Freddy Krueger. Yeah. And the whole, the whole premise of, you know, um, eventually, you know, being in the subconscious and the dreams and you're watching it at night, you're going to go to sleep and it's, right. you know, yeah, that's really setting you up for some. Right. It was not. Yeah. It was, it was setting up for a bad night for sure. Yeah. Especially sleepover girls. That's y'all did. That's the last thing you wanted before you go. So I remember it freaking me. I don't know that if I watched it now, I would feel the same way, but at the time, not okay. What film made you cry? I'm not a big, I'm not a big movie crier, but I do remember seeing a movie several years ago called interstellar. Uh, I think Matthew McConaughey was the main guy and it's part of it without giving the whole thing away is he's basically at one point has to go into space and when he comes back, his daughter, his age, like he misses most of her life. We've got years of messages stored. Messages span 23 years. Hey dad. You son of a bitch. I never made one of these when you were still responding because I was so mad at you for leaving. 
And then when you went quiet, it seemed like I should live with that decision, and I have. But today is my birthday. And it's a special one because you told me You once told me that when you came back, we might be the same age. And today I'm the age you were when you left. <laughs> this might be a real good time for you to come back. Like decades. So like he leaves when she's super young and then she's like, you know, grown woman when he comes back. That kind of got to me a little bit. That was a few years after my wife and I got married. So my stepdaughter was still at that point, teenager, early teens. So, you know, it was kind of, you kind of project that scenario to your, with yourself and like, wow, that would really, that would really be bad to miss all those years, you know? And yeah. part of it was also like, cause she was like 11 when my wife and I got married. So there was also that part of like, oh, wow, I missed the first 11 years as well. So yeah, it got a little dusty during some of that movie. So I'd probably go with that. All right. Um, don't ask me the same question because I regularly cry in movies. Really, it, it's just because things just tug at my heart. But like we just went to see In the Heights. Oh, yeah. And it was excellent. And I we left the movie theater. Um, it was our first time back in the theater for, you know, the last year and a half or so. And we left and and it was the four of us, my my daughter, my son and and David. And we were talking about it. And I was like, I cried twice. And they were like, really? <laughs> I'm like, yes. And then, you know, and then I said the parts and they both, they all admitted to tearing up at one of them, but not both. I just get a little more emotional. <laughs> if I do sit down and watch a movie, I regularly get sucked in and there. I mean, two. there's definitely some out there that they almost intend for you to cry when you watch them, right? Like the notebook or Brian song or some of those, but those not so much. I don't cry with those so much. Yeah. It's, it has to be uh, organic. You can't, yeah. it can't be like, we're really yeah. aiming to, do this you know yeah those kinds of movies i generally just meh at yeah. and walk kind of cheesy yeah yeah that's not my jam but like you know those really like cool moments especially between a parent and a child and you know again you're right you just kind of project your own life you can't help but do that to some degree yeah that's always the relationship that has the most emotional impact is the parent child Yes. In, yes. In movies, yeah. Yeah. Forget all that romantic crap. I don't care about that. <laughs> um, yeah. What's the film that you love, but isn't popular by consensus or critically acclaimed? Like you love it and you don't care what anyone else says. So this one is one I first remember seeing a lot on HBO back in like the late seventies, early eighties. Back in those days, we would watch HBO and like there are certain movies we would see because they used to replay them multiple times. And, and so you would, you would just watch them over and over again. Uh, this one's called over the edge. And it was, I think from 1979, maybe 78, 79. It was Matt Dillon's first movie. He was in it. Most of the other kids in it were no, no names and 
still really haven't been in anything since then, but it was like the, the whole thing was about, it was set in this like nice new suburban subdivision that was built. And it was like, okay, we're trying to have this really nice bucolic idyllic place, but you know, the parents are all fixated on their status and wealth and they're kind of neglecting the kids and the kids are running wild. And it's kind of like a juvenile delinquent. I don't know about you, Carl. You live in a good place. Your dad's got a good business with the caddies there. You're getting to be more of a punk every day. You know that? Let me ask you something. You got some driving need to lost things up for yourself? I've got a driving need to be left alone, okay? Maybe you could use a weekend up on the hill, you know, away from your friends. You're almost 15, right? The fun only lasts for another year, kid. When you're 16, you start playing for real. Matt Dillon and all these other kids are just, you know, they're out, they're doing drugs, they're vandalizing. Well, how about it, kid? Why don't you give me a name? You guys got a lot of laws, right? Well, let me tell you something. I only got one law. A kid who tells on another kid is a dead kid. Well, that's a good rule, kid. It'll serve you well in jail someday. Damn straight. In retrospect, it's kind of stupid, but just at that age, you know, I was about that same age as some of those kids in that movie. And it's just like, oh, this is awesome. Like, this um, is like fun. Yeah. It had a really great soundtrack. I used to actually have it. And I just this past week ordered a, a used copy of it because I started kind of rebuilding my vinyl collection. But it like the soundtrack has like Van Halen and the cars and Cheap Trick and nice Jimi Hendrix. And there, there's just a bunch of great music on the soundtrack. It's like a greatest hits of that era mm-hmm. of that, you know, late 70s. You know, if you go online, if you were to look it up on like Metacritic or something. I doubt Siskel and Ebert even watched it. It was a two thumbs up or so. <laughs> but I, I think forty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Probably, yeah. But I, <laughs> I, I love it. You know, I don't. I haven't watched it in a while. It may not hold up, but it's just one of those time and place things for me. I guess. Sure. Nostalgic. Sure. What about for you? My gut reaction is to say Clueless. Yeah. With Alicia Silverstone, and I think publicly most people would be like, "Ugh, so stupid." But I <laughs> thought it was fantastic. So much so that as a senior in college, my degree's in English literature and Clueless was very loosely based on the Jane Austen book, Emma. Yeah. And Jane Austen was an author class that I took and I wrote a 15 page paper on the differences, um, the similarities and, you know, kind of where they were and, and the differences in the two and that day versus modern day. But I absolutely loved the movie. I watched it probably 30 times while I was writing the paper just to get quotes exactly right, et cetera, et cetera. And not once did I get sick of it. And to this day, when it comes on, it's a stop down for me. What's the film that you used to love, but that doesn't hold up now? The one I'm thinking of is Strange Brew, the movie that was the Bob and Doug McKenzie movie. I don't know if you ever remember Bob and Doug McKenzie, but it was these characters that were, was Canadian and they were from SCTV, which was kind of like the Canadian Saturday Night Live. And they were these brothers that basically they had their own like kind of cable access show. It was almost like Wayne's World before there was Wayne's World. And they just drank beer and did goofy crap all the time. <laughs> and at the time we watched that movie a bunch and quoted it a lot. And it's 
funny and everything. But now if you watch it, it's probably, I mean, I'd probably still laugh at the stuff I laughed at back then, but that's more just kind of a muscle memory thing than anything else. It's, it's, I don't think it is, you know, objectively a quality comedy film. (laughs) So, yeah. I don't even know again. Like I just have never been a big movie person. What was the movie that you loved the most when you were like a teenager or younger? Was there one that you used to like back then that maybe now? Well, Top Gun was my favorite movie as a kid. Call Kenny Loggins because you're in the danger zone (sighs) from Top Gun. Danger zone! Yeah, I would say Top Gun didn't even hold up back then, but... <laughs> uh-uh. And I still love it to this day. Absolutely not. That, never mind. I changed my answer to the last question. It's now Top Gun. Uh, in fact, it was on... We had it on yesterday. David was flipping channels and I was literally talking with the movie, but I wasn't doing it loudly, but it was doing it just loudly enough that he knew I was saying words. And so he was like, what? What? And I was like, nothing. And he's like, ugh, I'll talk now, when to you when they, this is over. When are they going to put out that sequel? It was supposed to come out like a year, year and a half ago. Now it's like, okay, COVID's winding down. Theaters are back open. Let's get it out. It's summer. I know. No, I don't know. Because it was, I think it was supposed to come out last summer. And yeah. then they shelved it because they wanted it to be a theater release because it's, you know, action packed and cool yeah. like that. Um, and I don't, but I haven't seen anything about it in sense. We'll have to look that up. Yeah, we will. Listeners will look that up for you. No, I love it. I absolutely totally holds up to me. I can still quote every word of it um, and do it happily every time it comes on. Also, <laughs> the volleyball scene. Is that, is, is that your favorite scene? The volleyball? I, you know what? It, I don't hate it. So was young Val Kilmer, was that, uh, was that the big draw there? No, no. I think, um, it, it wasn't even, it really wasn't even any one of them. I just, I loved the action and, and I told David yesterday, there's a scene that, um, Tom Skerritt says something. God, now I don't even remember off the top of my head. He says something and he uses a cuss word. And because I had been able to quote this movie since I was 10 years old, yeah. I said, I'm pretty sure that's the first swear word I ever said out loud in front of my family <laughs> because, and I felt like it was okay because I could quote it. It was a quote. It wasn't me saying it. Oh, sure. Sure. And he was like, how did that work out for you? And I was like, <laughs> I don't recall. But um, but yeah, no, that's that's my, it absolutely holds up, bite your tongue. Now I did look up real quickly while you were talking, hmm. their the updated release date. And I don't think you're going to like this, but Uh-oh. it is now coming out on November the 19th, 2021. So I have to wait for the holidays. Do it last summer and now they're going to do it this Thanksgiving. <laughs> so not sure why they could have just rolled out in July or whatever, but no, okay. no. Yeah. There's really nothing out right now either. It would have been nice. Yeah. No kidding. Um, yeah, no, I liked the action. I liked the scene where goose eyes brings me to tears every single time. I can't watch it. I don't like it makes me unhappy. It's just the film that drew me in as a kid. And I watched it over and over and over and over. Lots of great action. Yeah. Lots of good action. Lots of good dialogue. Lots of um, good music. There's, good you know, music. Yeah. Absolutely. Good music, but just like good one-liner quips back and forth. And oh, I, yeah. they just, they all stuck with me for sure. What doesn't hold up now? What movie doesn't hold up now that I used to love? 
I don't know. I don't think I have an answer. I didn't watch a bunch of movies as a kid. I really, really didn't. So regularly, David will be like, have you? Never mind. You've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a list on my phone of movies he wants me to watch. Oh, wow. I bet that's a long list. It really is. There's a <laughs> list of movies. And then I have a whole other list of television shows because I didn't watch a bunch of TV either. Yeah. So what film means the most to you? And not necessarily the film itself, but like, what it signifies a moment in time that like every time you see this film, it draws up memories of like this point in your life. Yeah. So I'm going to say it's a movie called Fandango. It's Kevin Costner's first movie. And I saw it, I first saw it in college because it, I think it came out in like 84, 85 or something like that. But um, Judd Nelson's in it. Not, there's a couple people, but it's not star packed or anything. But basically it's about these, it's set in early, early 70s. And it's these guys graduating from UT and their last weekend, before, maybe it was right after they graduated. Like they, the last weekend of them together, one of them's gotten drafted for Vietnam. One of them is not going to Vietnam. Like he's probably going to Canada or whatever. And so it's just like, their last hurrah together and uh, all the adventures they they get into it's really funny but it's also poignant and emotionally touching and for me it's kind of like you you think of it in terms of you know that just that time in your life that it's the end of an era in your life that you're you're transitioning to adulthood and to things that like there are people in your life you may never see again or it may be a long long time before you see them again and there are people that maybe were part of your life every day or pretty regularly and it's just, I think that's a definitely a time and place thing. Cause that's, I was in a similar place or about to be in a similar place in my life at that point. So yeah, I would say that one. Okay. A great film. I, this is going to sound so dumb, but mine, I think is 13 going on 30. Okay. The uh, Jennifer um, Garner movie. The Jennifer yeah. Garner movie. So my best friend, Elizabeth and I used to watch it regularly and we became friends later in life, but legitimately she is the sister I never had. And we watched it. It was at a really kind of critical time change in my life too. I had just gotten divorced from my first husband. Um, I was just sort of figuring out who I was as an adult, I think. Um, and coming off of that and being single. And that's when she came into my life. And anyway, we loved this movie so much and laughed and sang and quoted and all the things. And she moved to Las Vegas. And every time it would come on, every time she would, you know, turn it on or put it on for whatever reason, she would text me. And it was just kind of our, like, you know, it was, it's a bonding thing for us. It's just the thing that we connect that yeah. connects us. And so anyway, it, it really just, it's not necessarily the movie itself, but it signifies her to me. So yeah. every time I see it, I can't help but smile. We send gifts back and forth. She has moved back to Texas. Thank baby Jesus. Oh, that's good. So all will be well again when David and I move back. Yeah, that's yeah, that's going to be good. I'm yeah. glad to have you guys moving back from uh, Northeast Waco. That'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll be, we're excited to come back to the real world too. Although it's been lovely here for sure. Oh yes. Um, what's the film you most relate to? I think you might have. We might didn't we have sexiest on there too? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. Sorry, I think I flipped your order. That's okay. Sexiest film. It's not going to surprise me if you have the same choice. I thought about this and for whatever reason, the first one that comes to mind for me is Bull Durham. I don't believe in quantum physics when it comes to matters of the heart. What do you believe in then? Well, I believe in the soul. 
The cock, the pussy, the small of a woman's back, the hanging curveball, high fiber, good scotch, that the novels of Susan Sontag are self-indulgent, overrated crap. I believe Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone. I believe there ought to be a constitutional amendment outlawing AstroTurf and the designated hitter. I believe in the sweet spot, softcore pornography, opening your presents Christmas morning rather than Christmas Eve, and I believe in long, slow, deep, soft, wet kisses that last three days. Good night. You have to think about, you know, the Susan Sarandon and Kevin Costner chemistry and the whole movie that is just that whole undercurrent with them and, you know, Tim Robbins and his girlfriend. It's just the whole movie. It's just like baseball and mm-hmm. that. And it's like, maybe it's not the most sexy movie ever, but it just, it's the first one I thought of. Right. So, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It was, it, that would definitely be on my list. I think certainly the other one that comes to mind right off for me is Dirty Dancing. Ah, and again, puts- baby in the corner nobody puts baby in the corner yeah nobody puts baby <laughs> in the corner. um and that too may have been kind of a time frame of my life i love their chemistry and i love that entire story and but i absolutely agree with bull durham now were I, you a big patrick swayze fan no i don't think i could say that even no. in fact it wasn't until maybe a year ago i watched roadhouse for the first time so. have you ever seen ghost oh gosh yes that's another one that might make the list right i mean ghost um, is- pretty yes yeah so the whole pottery scene right a little too cheesy for me a little too romancy for me (laughs) (laughs) it's not really my thing not not really my thing yes good scene good movie but just too contrite i don't know to the point earlier like if it's set up and i'm supposed to feel that way that's probably not when i feel that way (laughs) very very contrived yeah for sure yeah but yes no bull durham is absolutely if i could just be a cougar for young baseball players i probably (laughs) would clear about that sorry David. what's the film you most relate to let's go back to that one i think it's probably office space uh we have sort of a problem here yeah you apparently didn't put one of the new cover sheets on your tps reports oh yeah i'm sorry about that i i forgot mm, yeah you see we're putting the cover sheets on all tps reports now before they go out did you see the memo about this yeah yeah, yeah, I have the memo right here. I just uh, forgot, but uh, it's not shipping out till tomorrow, so there's no problem. Yeah. If you could just go ahead and make sure you do that from now on, that would be great. And uh, I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. Okay? Yeah, no, I, I, I have Peter. the memo. I've got it. It's right. Hello, Phil. What's happening? Hi, Peter. What's happening? We need to talk about your TPS reports. Yeah, the cover sheet, I know. I know. Uh, Bill talked to me about it. Yeah. Did you get that memo? Yeah, I got the memo. And I understand the policy, and the problem is just that I forgot the one time, and I've already taken care of it, so it's not even really a problem anymore. Ah, yeah. It's just we're putting new cover sheets on all the TPS reports before they go out now, so if you could go ahead and try to remember to do that from now on that'd be great. Many of the things that happen in that movie, I have either personally experienced or witnessed in the workplace. So it's... I've never seen it, so I cannot relate to this. Okay. It's definitely for people who've had the, you know, nine to five grind office job at a poorly run company, and most of them are, (laughs) then you will definitely identify with it. It's hilarious. And it's very much the, 
it's funny because it's true <laughs> a vein of humor. What about for you? I don't know. I can tell you the film I would most like to relate to. I mean, that's what comes to my head. And it's Aaron Brockovich. Like, oh, yeah. I feel like in another iteration of myself that that would be like, I would take a cause and like sink my teeth in and not let up. Yeah. Like that's who I want to be, I think, or who I could see myself being. I don't know that it's who I am right now or in this lifetime, but that's something that I would aspire to somebody I would really like to be like. Yeah. Um, That's cool. Yeah. That's the first thing that I thought of. What is objectively the best film? Well, this is definitely top two or three for me, and it is objectively the best film. It's clearly the best film, and anybody that doesn't think it's the best film is wrong. It's (laughs) It's the Shawshank Redemption, of course. (gasps) Yes. Oh, my gosh. This is why we're friends, Bob. I love (laughs) the Shawshank Redemption. It might be one of my very favorite movies. It's the best movie ever. It's not even really up for debate. Anytime I'm flipping around and it's on like, oh, I've got to go to bed in 20 minutes. Oh, the Shawshank Redemption's 10 minutes in. Well, I guess I'm not getting much sleep tonight, right? You have to watch the rest of it. And that's how it came to pass that on the second to last day of the job, the convict crew that tarred the plate factory roof from the spring of 49 wound up sitting in a row at 10 o'clock in the morning drinking icy cold Bohemia-style beer, courtesy of the hardest screw that ever walked a turn at Shawshank State Prison. Drink up while it's cold, ladies. The colossal prick even managed to sound magnanimous. We sat and drank with the sun on our shoulders and felt like free men. Hell, we could have been tarring the roof of one of our own houses. We were the lords of all creation. As for Andy, he spent that break hunkered in the shade, a strange little smile on his face, watching us drink his beer. I don't know if you know this about me, but I have kind of an obsession with all things related to prison. I find the idea of prison fascinating. I watch far more true crime than I do anything else. So David is regularly in the living room watching something that you've recommended likely. And I am probably in the bedroom (laughs) watching something on the ID channel. So that movie I think is so well done. And I think it's such a great story. It is absolutely one of my favorites as well. I feel between the true crime fixation and the Aaron Brockovich, you should have gone to law school. You seem like you should be a lawyer. Oh, no, I really should be. My first three years of college, I was a political science major. Oh, yes, um, I was too. Yeah, with the intention of- wisely in switching that, by the way. <laughs> it well, is a was, useless major. Well, yeah, no, so it was the degree I have, but I was going to go to law school. That's what I wanted to do. And I got to my senior year of college or almost and thought, I can't do this. I can't, I don't think I can make another however many years of school. I just didn't think I could do it. At the time, and, it seems overwhelming. It's like, you yeah. feel like you're done right? I mean, I literally had a five-year gap between college and graduate school just because I was so burnt out on Mm -hmm. school. Right. And so I I just, I switched to the very end. I changed to English literature, quite frankly, because I read quickly and I write well. So I knew it would be as easy a transition as any it put a whole bunch of reading and writing into the last year of college because I had all these classes to take that I most people had taken throughout. But it was absolutely my goal to be an attorney in some form or fashion. And I just didn't do it. And it might be the biggest regret of my life is not 
following through with that. Yeah. No regrets. Yeah, that's what it is. What was the next question? And you know what? It's never too late to go back. No. You're still no. plenty young enough. No, I am not plenty young enough. Sure you are. You're younger and than me. Not much. And yeah, more than you more than you're saying. More than you're that. And I also have a 10-year-old that just there's no way. Well, no. once he gr- wait until he's out of high out of high school and then that's when you go back. Empty nest. And then time. it'll be time for me to retire because I'll be old. <laughs> No, thank you. Um, no, I'm good. I'm, it, but it was absolutely, and I, I mean, any kind of attorney thriller, love me some John Grisham. Like it is, oh, yeah. I, I eat it up. In fact, there is one of his more recent books and I'll have to go pull the name of it, but it was about this group of attorneys that only takes cases where they feel like somebody is basically on death row and shouldn't be. And then they go in and really fight to right that wrong. Um, And it was, I mean, I was in tears through half of it and thinking this is what I should be doing. What is the film that you could have or have watched the most besides the Shawshank Redemption? Please (laughs) get off your list. This is pretty easy. It's definitely Caddyshack. I think you can still become a gentleman someday. If you understand and abide by the rules of decent society. There's a lot of uh, badness in the world today. I see it in court every day. I've sentenced boys younger than you to the gas chamber. Didn't want to do it. Felt I owed it to them. How about a fresca? I've I've watched it a million times. I probably have the entire script memorized word for word. It started out with the HBO rewatchings back in the old days. And everybody in my age group, guys, especially back then, it was just, they could all quote it. Everybody knows. And I'm not even a golf guy, but it's just, I was a big Rodney Dangerfield fan and Chevy Chase. So that was right in my wheelhouse. I really think that my, the answer to that for me is Billy Madison. Isn't that, I love that movie. I love Adam (laughs) Sandler. And that movie, I think, is the funniest. Hey, look, everybody. Billy peed his pants. Of course I peed my pants. Everybody my age pees their pants. It's the coolest. Really? Yes, you ain't cool unless you pee your pants. Wow. Hey, man, Ernie pees pants, too. All right. If peeing your pants is cool... Consider me Miles Davis. Oh, that was the grossest thing I've ever heard in my life. I can quote the entire thing. People are always surprised by that for whatever reason, but like it's, I've watched it more times than I can count. Yeah, that one and Happy Gilmore and The Water Boy, those are the Adam Sandler ones that yeah. I could watch a million times for yeah, sure. That's definitely his trifecta. Although I think I would swap out Water Boy for um, Big Daddy. Yeah, Big Daddy was good too. Yeah. Again, you know, kid thing. I like Adam Sandler movies. I mean, they're stupid, but that's the point. <laughs> yeah, right. That's the point. The point is to just laugh and yes. just sit back and laugh. Exactly. Um, Connor, my son's first um, like movie that he kind of watched on repeat was Pixels. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I remember yeah. seeing that. Yeah. yeah. With the giant was- Pac-Man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which yeah. was really cute. Um, and I thought it was really funny because it was kind of about old video games. And, yep. and here's my, God, I don't know, he was probably five at the time, watching it over and over and over. <laughs> I think he just liked the giant Pac-Man. Okay, so not to be negative, we'll just turn it for a second. What's the worst film you've watched? 
The one that I always cite for this when this topic comes up is Magnolia. It's uh, one of those Paul Thomas Anderson movies. And he a lot of his movies are really good. I like Boogie Nights. He's got a lot of good movies. There Will Be Blood. There's quite a few. But for whatever reason, Magnolia, I think it's the scene where it starts raining frogs. And I know that's a whole biblical thing. But man, that just, I just like, man, this is just, I can't. I just can't. And there's a lot of people in that movie, like John C. Riley's in it and Tom Cruise. The Tom Cruise scenes are actually the only redeemable part of the whole movie for me. The rest of it's just, I can't watch it. It's just terrible. And it's funny because a lot of people really like that movie, but it just struck me the wrong way. I just, it just hit me in the wrong way. Like, I think it was, there was just part of it that was just like, this is so pretentious. I just can't even with this, but he is a talented director and he's married to Maya Rudolph. So he's got good taste in women, but you know, it's that movie just is not my favorite. I have not seen it, but it sounds over the top. It sounds too <laughs> over the top for me too. And I can absolutely answer this question so easily. It is, and I, again, I love all things mystery, right? So yeah. when, when Will Ferrell was doing the Sherlock Holmes movie, uh, we were super excited. We thought it was going to be really funny and yeah. And it was legitimately the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. And David and I kept looking at each other like, is this, this is going to get better, right? It's got to get better. It was awful. Every single minute of it was horrible. Every single person I know who's seen that movie, I never saw it, but ever, even like junior people that find something sure. funny and even the most ridiculous, they all said it was terrible. Like, it was- like every, and I'm like, how, if, if nobody likes that movie, how did they even release it? Like they, it's gotta just be obvious. It's bad, right? Like why would they even put it out? How could those guys not come up with something funny, even right? You know, yeah. That's, and that's, that's what I said. I was like, and David loves stepbrothers, which actually I've yes. never seen either, but whatever. Oh, that's great. Stepbrothers is hilarious. Yeah. Like it was, that's what I said afterwards. I was like, how did they even get this movie out? Like how, how did people watch this and go, yeah, we're going to put this in theaters. It was terrible, like terrible, terrible. And we at one point talked about leaving the theater, which I've never, I don't think I've ever done. And we were like, no, surely like it's about to get better. Surely it's about to turn. Surely there's about to be a moment that like all of this ridiculousness makes sense. And there just was never that moment. It was bad. Um, What's the film that makes you laugh out loud the most? This is going to be weird because it's a Cheech and Chong movie. And I am not a drug person. Like literally, if you skip the summer of 1986, I've never smoked pot in my entire life. So (laughs) that's not how any of this works. Yeah. I don't know why the whole Cheech and Chong pot thing is so funny to me because like I said, that's not, I'm not that person, but I just, that movie, especially Up in Smoke, their first movie and my friend Gary, we just, we could watch that. And it's another one where I know every line, every scene, it's just hilarious. And it's still, anytime I watch it, it cracks me up. Hello, headquarters. Come in, headquarters. This is Officer Clyde. We Use the are- code name, the code name. Headquarters. Headquarters, come in, please. This is codename Hardhead. Hat! Hard hat! Give me that. Hello, radio dispatch. This is codename Hard Hat. Codename Hard Hat. Do you read me? Over. What's that, Lard ass? <laughs> hard hat. Codenamed Hard Hat. Do you read, radio dispatch? Hey, got something for you, Lard ass. Hard hat! Hard hat! Do you understand? Lard ass! Lard ass! <laughs> hard hat! Radio dispatch, do you know who this is? No, who is this is? This is Sergeant Stadinko. Oh yeah? You know who this is? No. 
Bye-bye, lardass. There's just so much of it to me that's so funny. But yeah, and my mom even thinks it's funny. It's pot humor for the masses. It's funny that your mom likes it. My mom legitimately will not watch a movie. Ever. Any movie. Any movie ever. No, no. why is that? I don't know, because she's odd. Um, <laughs> but this, but it explains why I didn't watch a whole lot of movies growing up, I guess. But she, to this day... She yeah. won't even watch Ted Lasso. Is she like a big reader or something? What does she do? She is a big reader. She And if her TV is on, it is on some sort of animal rescue show. Documentary, that sort of thing. Okay. Yeah. No, she also watches, there's some show that where they basically look for people who are transporting drugs through airports. She mm. loves to watch them like bust people in airports with drugs. So is Billy Madison also this answer for you? The one that makes you laugh the most? It probably is. I would, I mean, I could, the other thing that I would say is I, so this isn't necessarily box office movie, but there are movies. I, my favorite show of all time, my favorite TV show of all time is Psych with yes. James Roday and Dooley Hill. Your personal um, friend, Dooley yes, Hill, I, who sends you greetings, right. greetings for your birthday. Yeah. yeah. Dooley Hill, my buddy Dooley. Obviously the show's not on the air anymore. Well, they still do like uh, movies and stuff. But they right? do movies. Yeah. Absolutely. And I obsess over them and I've watched them. There's only been two so far. They're making the third right now. Those are probably the movies that make me laugh the most because I think everything about their relationship and that TV show and everything makes me laugh. I love it so much. My daughter used to really enjoy that show. We, I remember seeing that quite a bit back when it was on. I love it. I made David sit down and watch the whole series with me. But yeah, the movies make me laugh. Everything about it makes me laugh. It just makes me happy. All right. One last question that you're not prepared for. Uh-oh. But I think having spent some time thinking about some of these things previously, it won't be too far out of your wheelhouse. But one last question is we bury your cold dead body. It is my responsibility to put one DVD in your coffin that you want to take to heaven with you. You and your new friends have movie nights every night. And when it's your turn to pick the movie for movie night, you have to be ready. So what DVD am I putting into your coffin? The Blues Brothers. Help you boys. You got any uh, white bread? Yes. I'll have some toasted white bread, please. You want butter or jam on that toast, honey? No, ma'am. Dry. Got any fried chicken? Best damn chicken in the state. Bring me four fried chickens and a Coke. You want chicken wings or chicken legs? Four fried chickens and a Coke. And some dry white toast, please. You all want anything to drink with that? No, ma'am. A Coke. Be up in a minute. We got two honkies out there dressed like Hasidic diamond merchants. Say what? They look like they're from the CIA or something. What they want to eat? The tall one wants white bread, toast, dry, with nothing on it. Elwood. And the other one wants four whole fried chickens and a Coke. And Jake shit the blues, brother. It's okay. got everything. It has action. It has music. It has comedy. It's close to a perfect movie for me. It's, it's way up there. Everything about that movie is great. It's fantastic. I love it. And it's probably near the top of the list of ones that if somebody hasn't seen it, I would really want to make sure they see it. So yeah, we'll put that on there. In my, yeah, in I my told casket. you it would be easy. That is it for me, Bob well, Land. Thank you? you. What are we putting in What your about coffin? me? Oh God. Uh, what, are, what are we putting in my coffin? I think it would probably have to be Top Gun. I have to go back to my lifetime 
Although I'm not sure they would appreciate Top Gun in heaven. They'll have to deal with it. It is absolutely, it never, ever, ever gets old for me. And I think everyone should enjoy it as much as I do. Well, hey, this was fun. It was you fun. You were a great host. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Yeah. You, we need you to come back and do this again for some, with some other stuff. I'll have to think of another topic. Maybe it could be something about true crime books or documentaries or podcasts or... You do uh, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. So come up with some lists. We'll do it. We can talk true crime. I can do that all day. Yeah. That's where the listens are on podcasts. Yeah. So oh my gosh, absolutely. If, if we want people to listen to this podcast, we need to start talking a little true crime for it's sure. It's a, a good point. And I'm happy <laughs> to lead you down that path because it is my wheelhouse for sure. Yes. Well, thanks so much, Melanie. This was fantastic. We will have to do it again. If you want to, folks who want to follow this podcast, you can do it on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at Assume TJ Pod. Melanie, can folks follow you on Twitter and Instagram? What handles do you have on those accounts? Yeah, no, of course. I it's very, very boring, but you're welcome to follow me at Miss M S Melanie, M-E-L-A-N-I-E-J which I probably need to change because I've gotten married since I created <laughs> Miss Melanie J on Twitter and on Instagram. Fantastic. Thanks, Bob. Assume the juxtaposition is a production of Lukewarm Tallboy Studios.